Hey everybody, welcome to another Bald Movie. Today, Jim and I are, are going back and uh, going through a recent classic. I don't know, a well-regarded recent movie? It's a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. It's got a whole bunch of famous people. It's got a famous director. It's The Irishman. Yeah. Uh, we missed this in last award season because uh, of how busy we were. And now that uh, uh, people are fleeing the theaters, we got plenty of time to, to go back and, and, and uh, give some of these a look over. This was a... Up for a lot of Oscars, uh, didn't win a lot of Oscars. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it was directed by uh, Martin Scorsese. Scorsese? Is that how you I, say that? I think so, yeah. Uh, it stars the big three, uh, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino. Um, it's a screenplay by uh, Steven Zalian and is based on a, I heard, a novel called I Heard You Paint Houses by Charles Brandt. And what would you call this? A fictionalized historical like it's a good question because because it's 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 got it it feels a little bit more based on reality than like the godfather this is the big fish of godfather movie Mm. of of mafia movies right like it's it's sort of like a tall tale maybe or maybe it's more real life um Mm -hmm. of of the events of this person's life Mm -hmm. i remember reading um or around a lot of the people that I kind of follow that this was kind of a, uh, everyone said it was a good movie, but it was kind of like ho-hum or it's like, I, I don't know whether you expect, mm. or um, there's a little bit of like, Oh Jesus, we're going to give, we're going to throw a bunch of awards at these old dudes again. Um, but you know, every once in a while these boomers get their shit together and they get the right script. They get the right talent. They get the right director. They get the right technology. And I was you, again, I'm a sucker for kind of Godfather mafia movie type stuff. Me too. I thought this was a really engaging and ent- entertaining a tale, especially since it's approximately five years long. <laughs> yeah, it takes as much time to watch this movie as it did for Frank Sheeran to do all of these things uh-huh, yeah. that it portrays in the movie. Yeah. It's a one-to-one retelling of Frank Sheeran's life. Right. And I remember uh, a couple times yeah. like I would, I would hit pause on the remote and it would show the time. And I'd be like, Jesus Christ, there's still two hours left to go. But I never felt like it was dragging no. on. Just like me being completely shocked at how little time I've watched a movie and how much of the movie I've got left to go. I was with you. Yeah, it didn't feel long. No. Uh, it, it, it felt right. It felt like they were telling the story, the complete story of this man's life. Um, sort of a cradle to grave of a mobster kind of story. And it is epic. Um, the, the movie size itself is epic, but mm-hmm. it's fascinating. Yeah, I think I want to talk about the thing that I think is it got the most press for, which is the remarkable de-aging technology. Mm. Uh, All of these men, uh, Joe Pesci, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino um, are very old. They are not young men of vigor and dynamicism that they were in like the 70s. You know, this is not Raging Bull. No, this is not Michael Corleone. Uh, these, these are old men, but the thing that I thought was amazing is, so when they rolled this back to like the fifties, they cast all of their associates as relatively young men. Mm-hmm. And then those men age up with these guys as the real actors catch up to their present age. And it, I mean, I don't know, maybe these guys uh, jump out more about like where uh, having all this de-aging processing or makeup on uh, and the other guys kind of distract. But, you know, watching Ray Romano go from Ray Romano old to like 80 year old Ray Romano kind of took mm-hmm. your mind off of what's going on with De Niro and Pesci. What did did you kind of feel me on that? Or? Oh, yeah, I, I found it hard to tell. Not not having like a clear picture of exactly how old Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro right. and Al Pacino look now. Because mentally, I always think of like Robert De Niro as like he's not Raging Bull or Taxi right. Driver, but he's kind of like uh, I think of perpetually as... Bullwinkle or I Meet the Fockers. <laughs> exactly. That's what I think of him as yeah. now. He's way um, older. Way older he, now. He's much, much older. I'm much than older that. than when I saw those movies. Yeah. Absolutely. But I lose that in my mind mm-hmm. when I'm watching this movie and I'm, I'm looking at going, which one of these versions of this man is the real man? Right. And which one of these are DH? And I think that's exactly what they were going for yeah i see the seams every once in a while um you're in aware like it's a special effect sure the way that the actor moves or like there are some scenes where you can tell and we'll talk about those but yeah for the most part this visual effect is really convincing that's a good um that's a good point because i watched the uh 
the Irishman Conversations companion piece. It's like a, yeah. I, I actually was surprised at how short it was. We did a, mm, like 20 minutes. We did a promo for it. So I thought it was going to be this kind of like big kind of, you know, production. And I was excited. Like, you know, why doesn't Netflix do that more often? Like have mm-hmm. commentaries and behind the scenes packages and stuff for some of this higher profile. This was a 25 minute and it was, it was uh, uh, Pesci and De Niro and Pacino sitting around the table with uh, Scorsese and uh, just having conversation about you know, working together because it seems like this mm-hmm. was like a group effort to they all wanted to work together one last time and this, they've been planning this for like over a decade except for Joe Pesci who didn't want to work at all yeah uh, but was convinced to yeah I'm just still I'm still cashing my home alone checks you know I took a couple <laughs> bricks to the head I'm, I'm done with all this but uh, but they all were enamored with this I heard you paint houses yeah book and they're passing around and like this is the one that they're, they're wanting to do um, I thought this was a great special feature, but the thing that was really cool was they showed some before and after mm-hmm. uh, scenes of like Joe Pesci uh, as young Joe Pesci in, in the fifties, and then old man like, or, and or they they showed the the him like with the makeup or the the digital effect, and then they showed him actually acting without any filters in the scene. Yeah, it's, side by side, it's amazing. Uh-huh. And you're you're right; it does show through. Uh, because they, they also spent a lot of time in that feature talk about how that uh, talking about how the CGI did have to work. Yeah. But it's like uh, Scorsese, like saying you're, you're you're only supposed to be 55. You need to you need to bout you need to come out of that chair, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, how I don't know how easy is that to do when you're an 80 year old man? I imagine it's really hard. Come down the stairs like you're 45. Yeah. 38 <laughs> year old me could probably not act like I'm 20 year old me. Yeah. Yeah, I feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's tough. I, I think um, one of the keys to getting this process, because I, I know in that in conversation video, they talk about the cameras that they used and how the effect was done technically. And Scorsese was very much like, I don't want the actors acting with tennis balls on their face. Right. Because they got to get the emotion. They got to feel the scene like they're in it. And so they they went away from this idea, and then a guy came, a guy from ILM came back to them and said, "We think we know a way to do it invisibly, so we don't have to put anything on them." Mm-hmm. So I t- my takeaway from this is they're using a lot of infrared cameras. Um, they have this camera called the three headed monster, which is like traditional camera in the center, two flanking uh, infrared cameras. It's the Xbox Xbox camera. Yeah, it's like a Kinect yeah, sort of thing, uh-huh. um, and they use all that data that they gather with the infrared to then sort of deep fake faces um and and filters and stuff onto the actors i think it's going to revolutionize the industry like yeah i still think you have that that problem of like a 70 year old man trying to act 30 right but there are ways to fix that too right Um, we're just not there yet but like aging people and changing because you're right like uh, not everyone can be like uh, Smeagol from Lord of the Rings Andy Serkis Uh and you know sit there wearing a green sock with golf balls glued all over their face like the people that can do that and act like hats off to them, but yeah. like not everyone can do that. Um, this is going to open up like that whole, like this is going to change makeup and prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be the CGI revel. What, what is going to do the like makeup and all that to what like CGI did to like model making. Yeah. If I were a makeup artist right now, I'd be very worried about my job 20 years from now. Right. Right. Like, like if you're just going into the makeup effects yeah. uh, department in a big studio. Yeah, like 20 or 30 years from now, the Wes Andersons of the day will be bragging about, like, we actually got some makeup artists out of retirement to do. Those are actually age lines we painted on their face. And <laughs> right. We threw some latex and, like, wrinkled it up and, like, uh-huh. made them old. Uh, I, I'm i really excited to see, uh, because we, we've seen this before, like the earliest versions of this in Tron. And the various Star Wars yeah. where they have a all CGI Carrie Fisher or whatnot. But this is just, you know, this is going to keep getting better and better. And I thought it was really impressive. It's much more convincing than like a Tron Legacy, for yeah. sure. And it, it, it allows these guys to give really good performances. It's completely yeah. unencumbered by, you know, like seeing classic uh, De Niro performances um, mm-hmm. and be very convincing. I, I just was a real joy to watch. All right, the next thing I want to talk about is the cast. We talked about the big three. Uh, Joe Pesci plays uh, Russ Buffalino, mm-hmm. uh, one of the the uh, heads of the five family, right? He's a boss. I, I don't know. I'm not super familiar with the power structure. That's true. His, yeah, I think he's, families. but yeah, he's he's really, uh, he's a, a, a mafia don for sure. You got Frank Sheeran, uh, by, uh, played by Robert De Niro, who is just a guy. He... Uh, 
something of a commando in World War II, came back to home. He's driving a meat truck. Uh, he's a little bit morally flexible with who gets what meat mm-hmm. and what money changes hands, and Deliver he attracts the attention of the mob for, for that. And he's the the main character of the, the movie. He's actually the the guy who, in the book, I Heard You Paint Houses, is sort of giving his life story. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is that the, his experience in the war gave him not just moral flexibility, but the ability to kill mm-hmm. without it really bothering him. And that's a, a huge asset to the mafia because despite the public reputation, not almost not every mafia kills people. Like it's like the, the you know, the majority of the killing is done by very few really hard men. Yeah. And there's, Frank's there's one that of those dudes. Scene that I really like where he's talking to Russ about the, the war yeah, um, and where he learned to speak Italian. Uh, and he says, you know, after he realized that he was going to survive this thing where survival was the only thing that mattered, he sort of just said, fuck everything else. Like, mm-hmm. like whatever happens, happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it changed him. Uh, he's amazing. Al Pacino plays Jimmy Hoffa, which is really entertaining. Uh, but there's then it just it's the, the depth of this this cast. You got Harvey Keitel uh, playing Angelo Bruno. Ray Romano as Bill Buffalino. Uh, Bobby Cannavale as Skinny Razor. Jesse Plemons as Chucky O'Brien. Mm. Uh, Sebastian uh, Maniscalco as Crazy Joe Gallo. Jack Houston um, as Robert Kenef- Kennedy. And if you don't recognize that name, he played uh, uh, Richard Harrow in yeah. uh, the, the guy that wore the tin mask. I was going to say, you might not recognize his face either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because uh, he had a lot of CGI work himself. That was in uh, Boardwalk Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dominic Lombardozzi, uh, Herc from The Wire as Fat yep. Tony Sol- Salerno. Mm-hmm. Stephen Graham. Another Boardwalk Empire alum. Bring in a lot of that uh, uh, Capone energy. Capone energy uh, to his uh, Tony Capone energy in that role. <laughs> big Capone energy and Tony Pro Provenzano. Uh-huh. Um, it, this this cast is like super super deep, and there's like that's just the people that you probably know by reputation. There's a lot of guys that you're going to be like, oh, I know he's that guy. He's the guy that always plays cops in TV. He's the guy mm-hmm. that it's and they, they all do really really good work, and they all kind of seamlessly kind of blend into the roles. Yeah. A lot of times when you get this many big names, um, you know, the people, the, the their actors kind of overshine the roles. But I felt like, especially Robert De Niro did a really good job disappearing to Frank Shearing. But like Al Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa, Al Pacino's kind of default Al Pacino just really suits that role very well. I guess I don't know anything about Jimmy Hoffa. Like the one thing I, I mean, I, I, I don't know much either. I'm just saying that like okay. the, the, the way he was supposed to feel like larger than life. You gotcha. know? Yeah, he, he definitely brings that larger than life quality. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I, I and I wanted to kind of do a lot of research to see how I felt about this. But the one thing because because a lot of times when I watch these historical movies, it feels so real that you're like, Oh, this is just right on. Yeah. And I think sometimes Scorsese does a really good job, like gangs in New York, where he just essentially tells a historical tale. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you got something like this where I didn't look into it, but there's a lot of JFK conspiracy stuff that I pretty sure is bullshit from other things I've looked into. Mm -hmm. And this movie essentially traffics into it that, you know, JFK was uh, murdered by the mafia because uh, he kind of double crossed them uh, and after he got elect- elected then he, he he went after them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Like like Dave Ferry, uh, who is played by Joe Pesci in the um, uh, the JFK film. Uh, he's the guy who's got oh, he's right. bald with the yeah. grease paint eyebrows, yeah. this crazy ass character only uh, shown in like one short scene in this yeah movie. but he's like you know he's involved in his bay of pigs uh you know so the bay of pigs invasion was a mob ran government conspiracy to take back cuba from castro and get their casinos back okay which is essentially the plot of godfather 2 and i think probably has some element of truth in it but from this perspective like the mob is pulling all the damn strings it seems like mm-hmm. and here's the thing the mob are really dangerous people, uh, and, and I'm not, I surely wouldn't want them mad at me. Uh-huh. Um, but they're also kind of bullshit artists. Like if you've if, if you've read anything about like the production of Godfather, the production of Scarface, uh-huh. they love shit that makes them look even more badass than they are. Oh yeah, and like their power is mostly reputational. So yeah, like I'm sure the mob loves the the the, the, the common and popular theory that they whacked JFK. Uh-huh. Um, did they? 
I, I don't know, but this, the, but the, they get a lot of mileage out of the fact that like, you know, Jimmy Hoff is being extra defiant to them. Like, mm-hmm. look, Jimmy, if we're, we're going to kill the president, we'll certainly kill a labor union president. They, they wouldn't dare. They wouldn't they dare. Wouldn't dare. <laughs> I love Pacino's performance in that scene. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so fucking good. But like, it is a fact Here's the other thing that I thought was interesting about politics today, because, you know, I, I run my mouth a lot about I think we should have more labor protections and I think yeah. we should have stronger labor unions. But a reality is the strong labor unions were often backed by like mob muscle was often connected. Like the finances were commingled. Is there a, see, I is there a way to have a strong labor union without the corruption? Because we we, <laughs> we killed we killed the labor unions. Mm-hmm. I think we have just as much corruption. Yeah, we do. It's just now we have corporations with the, the like with the state with guns and muscle mm-hmm. protecting them and abusing us. When the labor unions were strong, we had mafia with guns and muscles fighting it out. And now it's like it feels like it's like the 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 labor's been disarmed. The official instruments of of uh corporations and the government still have their bullets and their guns and their muscle and mm-hmm. things have gotten wacko but yeah, the, the power has shifted away from the people toward the corporation yeah um in that regard and you know as much as the people are actually represented by the unions yeah uh here's where my knowledge of the the 60s the 50s the 60s the 70s in general mm-hmm. holds me back because i have very little of it um i was not born until 1982 <laughs> so all of this happened before I was even born. Mm-hmm. And I don't have a clear picture of what labor unions, how powerful labor labor unions were, what the power structures were there, um, sort of what their their influences were, um, whether they were influenced by the mob heavily or whether that was a sort of thing that came later, like the union started as something pure and righteous and Hoffa built all that and then it was corrupted Mm. sort of outside of his control because that's the impression I got from this film is that Hoffa had built this thing yes, occasionally somebody had to die. And it was complimentary to the mob. to do. Yeah. But it was it was separate from the mob until the Fitzes and the pros get in there and start co-mingling with them. Yeah. Then, then the and that could unions... be totally off base. I don't know, but that's right. the impression I got from the film. Yeah. And I was like, but that's scary because it's like, if you just, if, if it requires like some super strong charismatic individual to keep the wolves away yeah. from the door, it's a fact of life that you're going to have weak leadership from time to time. People are going yeah. to put the wrong people in power. So what do you do? Like if this, if this corruption gets in there, roots in like a tick and you can't get it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I Which don't know. is it's, the case in this film, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's 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 kind of a cautionary tale of like uh, when when we do this again, when we rebuild these structures, can we do it without the mob? The other thing is like the mafia is so weak now, um, yeah. Relatively speaking, that the power vacuum. If if we had a strong labor, some other probably force would fill in that, and you want it to be some kind of civic minded institution and not like the Russian mafia or the Yakuza or M13 or whatever shadowy, scary group of dudes that you, that you want to imagine it would, that would fill in that vacuum and, and become rich and powerful off of it. Mm. Um, but I thought it's like, I was just amazed at how the politics of it, because you, you hear Jimmy Hoffa, these mafia guys giving these stump speeches and it sounds like a Bernie Sanders rally. Yeah. You know, power to the people, yeah, these solidarity. fat cat corporations ripping us off. and Either that or a Steve Ballmer Microsoft address. Solidarity, <laughs> solidarity, <laughs> solidarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> truck drivers, truck drivers, truck. Uh, but it's true. And the thing, the other thing that I thought was really interesting and scary and like uh, a future kind of thing is this thing that they're saying is still literally true. Like, you know, truck drivers make the United States economy work. Like if you mm-hmm. got any kind of delivery, bought anything out of store, you, you know, a truck driver drove it to you. And that will always be true, I think. Well, I'm just saying 30 years know, from robots, now. Yeah. Robots might be doing this work. 30 years now, like as the labor starts, you start not having to rely on that labor. Um, yeah. What is solid? Like if, if there's only th- 6% of traffic is driven by a person, what? who gives a shit about solidarity? Mm-hmm. Robots have perfect solidarity. You're fucked. Um, I thought that was something interesting as I was looking at l- l- watching this with 2020 eyes. Yeah. You almost need something that's not a labor union, but a civilian union. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. A, a non-corporation, non-government union of just regular people who maybe don't work at that point. Yeah. Maybe we can say with the political angle a little bit, because I was also shocked because I maybe know a little bit more than you about, especially the sixties connection and the labor union. Cause I've been reading a lot about that, but I was shocked at some of this information. Hmm. Like the fact that Hoffa 
came up supporting Democrats, but then got pardoned. He was in prison for quite a long time, got pardoned by Nixon. He went to school for five years. Yeah, <laughs> I was shocked about that, but I looked it up and apparently it's true. He was pardoned by Nixon in December yep. of 1971, but he had one condition. Do not involve yourself in the management or leadership of any labor union until 1980. Now, this man gets whacked in 1975. Okay. Uh, I don't think he kept his fingers out of that pie. And the, the, the last third of this movie, I think, is the most interesting part, mm -hmm. which is essentially a man who cannot conceive of his own limits. Like he continues to he thinks that the mob is increasingly just playing strong arm tactics. And like you said, they wouldn't dare. Right. Like, you know, when when Frank comes there that last time and says like, hey, th it is what it is. Yeah. They're going like, and that's the other thing is nobody can say like, you're going to get a bullet in your brain. Right. It's like, you know, they're not going to want to hear that. They're not going to want to hear that, Jimmy. It's, it is what it is, Jimmy. We're at the end of the line, Jimmy. Uh, and he just couldn't accept it. Uh, what is it about that? Like you get you, you get pardoned by the president and warned like, look, this is a once in a lifetime, literal get out of jail free. Stay the fuck away from this shit for at least 10 years so mm -hmm. that we can get some things cleaned up and you can't do it. You can't do it. You're, you're, you're fighting the yeah, federal government. You're fighting the mob. You're fighting everybody. No, it's, it's I guess it's a matter of uh, it's what matters to him. And to him, the labor union was everything. Um, and whether it was the power that comes with that or the money that yeah. comes with that or the influence, I don't know. Maybe it was the pride that comes with that. Yeah, it seems like that might have been the case. But yeah, I mean, he doesn't care. He doesn't value his own life as much as he values being the head of this union. And it leads to some really funny scenes that work despite the crazy tension, like uh, that meeting in Florida between Jimmy Hoffa and Tony Pro. Jesus. Uh, the subtle layers of like, it's essentially the double dog dare diplomacy in like a Christmas story, okay. only with the mafia stuff. Like it's yeah. all jockeying like uh, Tony. Jimmy won't wait if you're late. Mm. Tony knows that. So he's going to show up 20 minutes late in Bermuda shorts. He's going to show up in Bermuda <laughs> shorts and flip flops because he knows that Jimmy's going to take that personally. Jesus. And he's he's because he because, you know, Tony's the made man and Jimmy is I don't know what Jimmy is, uh, honestly. I don't know what Jimmy is. How he's how, how is Jimmy so fucking powerful and influential that he could give this much shit to mafia guys? Like it's crazy. It it's is. crazy the way he talks to some of these guys recklessly. Uh -huh. Yeah, I mean uh, slurs and calling them <laughs> just straight up sons of bitches. And yeah, just like, yeah. I don't know how he got away with it either. And I was always just my mind was blown when he would open his mouth. But it's so funny because like Frank, he tries that up like uh, Jimmy brings all of his dudes into his office and is like, you dumb motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. I'm guy. I'm up here asshole deep and and uh, the president's fucking brother. And you're giving checks away to your mom's aunts. Blah. And uh, Robert De Niro's Frank just gets up, puts on his coat and says, I'm not putting up with this. I'm not a dumb yeah. motherfucker. I'm and Jimmy Hoffa comes in. He's like, oh, I wasn't talking about you. Why can't he realize he's doing that like at a mega atomic level when he's talking right. with guys like Fat Tony? Yeah, th and there's this weird divide. Some somewhere there, there's a line that you don't cross yeah. with these guys. But where that line is, it's hard to tell because you know, in the same breath, you you can call them those people, uh, and they'll get super fucking offended by that. Mm. Or you can call them a son of a bitch. You can scream at them, right. shout sl other slurs at them, and they. They aren't phased by it. Right. Like they act, they, you know, they puff up and they act all tough yeah. and then they sit back down at the table. But I thought the, the it's and there's another scene later on where uh, they're playing essentially a game of telephone where Frank goes to mm, the boss yeah. and they're it's a well constructed scene. It's, too. it's a series of him, him going and like, oh, he said what? Yeah. And then him trying to like somebody should tell this guy this thing. Uh huh. Uh -huh. They and don't even tell him. Go back and tell this guy. They say somebody should tell him. Yeah. Yeah. He needs a friend to sit him down and set him straight. Frank, <laughs> he needs somebody to do that for him. And it's just so it, it's just so really funny. Um, and it, it 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 leads up to the scene with Frank getting this award. Jimmy is going to give it to him. But also Al Pacino 
um, as uh, uh, as the Russ, as Russ is going to sit Jimmy down in the wings and try to say like one last time, mafia head to what the labor union aspiring labor, labor yeah. union president. I'm talking about Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci. Yeah. What did I say? Uh, Al Pacino oh, was sorry. talking to Jimmy Al Pacino. <laughs> it's a one man performance here. Uh-huh. Played both sides of the table. Well, Amazing. Hey, with, that, with that effects tech. And Maybe. What's, what's really funny is because you usually see Joe Pesci as the guy who just like is the loose cannon flies I off. I love this. And I that, love it. That character is history because he pulls that into this old gangster character and you're mm-hmm. just waiting for it and waiting for it. And the fact that he keeps like come on Jimmy come on you're being a little high headed here he's so patient it really sells you it's a totally different Joe Pesci and Mm. I was super happy to see that and I think that's the thing if I'm reading this in conversation stuff Mm -hmm. correctly that sort of brought Joe Pesci on board in this is he said look I don't want to come back and act the yeah. same way I've acted in every other movie I've been in. What am I, a in. clown? You know, yeah, yeah that, that's ridiculous. I, I don't want to do that again. I don't need to do that again. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Scorsese comes to him and says, it's not going to be that. You're playing this very other guy. And it, it's, yeah, it's on the screen. Like, mm-hmm. he is extremely different from the fucking Goodfellas, right? Like, oh, yeah. he's nothing like that. Yeah, or the, the, what he, what I forget his character's name in Casino. Yeah. But, like, yeah, these, this... Uh, there's an uncontrollable hothead, but they mm-hmm. let uh, uh, Stephen play that uh, that role. Yeah, uh, Stephen Graham. Another moment in that incredible set of scenes around Frank's award party is when uh, Joe Pesci sits and sits him down and gives him the ring. Mm-hmm. Like it's a real moment, and I thought like, what is it like to have like to have that power bestowed on you by another person? Mm-hmm. Like it's like a king of old dubbing you a knight. Like you are now untouchable. You are now part of something that can't be fucked with like at almost any level yeah uh if you go to prison you're going to be taken care of your family's going to be taken care of no one you know not not a police officer not a mafia don is going to ever fuck with you um and it felt really kind of a fa- like almost a father a tender father son moment yeah absolutely i i really i don't know there are some things to be admired in that organization sure um the solidarity, a, the fraternity, the loyalty, yeah, the honesty, the loyalty, like you, you are 100% honest. And if you're not, you get whacked. Uh-huh. Like the, the, there are consequences right. for not following these rules, but right. you're hundred percent honest with your, your boss. Yeah. That's the uh, romantic view of it anyway. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I'm sure people play around the edges of that. I mean, uh-huh. Tony pro is probably one of those guys, but like, right. You know, there, there's a scene where, um, there are a couple of scenes that exemplify this honesty and this loyalty, uh, one of them is when Frank is tasked to burn out this laundry place. <laughs> yeah. And then so he gets, old Jewish washerwoman that owns that. Yeah. And he gets called in by <laughs> Angelo Bruno because Angelo Bruno has a stake in that laundry uh-huh. and Frank didn't know it. And there is a moment of hesitation, right? There's a moment in Frank where he's looking at this guy where they ask, um, what were you doing while you were out? What were you going to do? And he thought about it. And he's like. It, well, he tells them I was gonna I was gonna bomb out of laundry because it sounded uh-huh. like fun. Yeah, and, and then he says, "Who who told you?" And this ties back to the scene with Ray Romano when he was just like the meat guy who got yeah who, who got um, name the caught, names yeah yeah for for this whole truck of meat missing, mm-hmm. which is fucking stupid of them. <laughs> just the dumbest thing you could possibly do. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened. Uh, uh, I didn't load the meat, man. Hey, but but I can tell you, they better not be looking at me. That's right. all I can say. They yeah. don't look at me. Uh-huh. Uh, but it, it harkens back to that scene where that whole scene is a test, right? Like mm-hmm. when he's he's vying to be his lawyer here, he's like, would you give up names in order to avoid prison? And he says, no, um, he, he says all the right things. Like these are, and then like later in that scene, he's, he's also saying, you know, I'm going to represent you whether you did it or not. Why don't you tell me, tell me, did you do it? And, and he shows honesty and loyalty in both of those cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they do it later on and he's got this moment where, fuck, is this a test? Am I supposed to give a name here or am I supposed to shut the fuck up? Yeah. And it's an impossible Especially since question he likes answer. the guy. He doesn't want to kill. And this is also right. foreshadowing for what's going to happen with Jimmy Hoffa only on a bigger, mm-hmm. grander scale. And then they say, now is not the time to stay silent. Yeah. Because yeah. you're dealing with the boss, right? You're supposed yeah. to be honest with your boss. I tell you the one thing that didn't, that I thought was going to work out, was going to work out really well. Because I think the one weakness in The Godfather is I never buy Kate and Michael's relationship. 
you know yeah uh like I'm it just you. doesn't she's not a great mafia uh wife um like the, the sense of betrayal that she I, I just never bought it i thought that was one kind of character beat that doesn't they, they make they, they they finally get there in the second godfather but in the first godfather that's a pretty weak storyline and i'm thinking oh they're setting this thing up with robert de niro's daughter uh played by ann paquin yeah peggy yeah the, i thought it's like they're actually going to get there they're actually going to bring up a girl that you know uh, and and you're going to see the light go out in her eyes and how she changes how she feels about her father and then when they get into like how much she loves jimmy hoffa because jimmy hoffa is a you know he's not a thug he's a political leader he's fighting for the people Mm -hmm. he's making these she's writing reports in school about him and the fact that like you know peggy didn't completely turn on her father until he murdered jimmy hoffa yeah and i thought that was going to be a really powerful moment but at some it just it just didn't quite come together no i I, I was expecting like a big scene on anna paquin i'm like man you cast anna paquin because she's capable of hitting these and like she's gonna really just rip his guts out and they went probably more realistically a little bit more Mm -hmm. low-key but also i don't know like um you didn't just get it you didn't get enough out of adult peggy to keep that momentum going from the childhood arc and i felt like it kind of fizzled i was a little disappointed i didn't I'll, i'll tell you why i although i do agree um, yeah, Anna Paquin got almost nothing to do in this movie. It's a shame. It, it is a shame because I like her a lot. Uh, but here's why it worked for me because it was tied into the phone call that he has to make to Joe to to mm. uh, Jimmy Hoffa's wife. Yeah, and that scene is so phenomenally good. And, mm-hmm. and there's this moment right before it when Peggy questions why he hasn't called her yet. And there's there there's something on his face. Mm-hmm. There's something in his demeanor. The way he goes and pours another drink before he does this. Yep. That tells everybody in that room that he had something to do with this. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a very very subtly played, well played moment. But then that phone call is that scene might be Oscar worthy in my opinion mm-hmm. alone because the realism with which they play it, like he and and that's a hallmark of this movie, I think is the realistic way that people talk. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I'm not saying that just because my dad talks exactly like these people do. This is true. (laughs) Exactly. Word for word, the same phrases, the same accent, the same everything, but the, the sort of stutters and stops and, ums and uhs and the way that people communicate in this show this guy's a straight shooter he's a man of integrity and in this moment with a person he loves he has no he's got nothing but lies and bullshit and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to put that out there so he tries to put nothing out there yes and and it takes everything he has to say nothing yeah that he doesn't have anything left to say something comforting or something she needs to hear in that moment and it's just such a fucking amazingly written and acted scene which it's just a phone call. It's just a conversation. It's not even a conversation between two yeah. people. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot of stuff for women to do in this film because um, you know this isn't a world dominated by women. I thought Jimmy no. Hoffa's wife. I mean, it's telling that like I know her as Jimmy Hoffa's wife. Yeah, uh, she was pretty good. They just they just, they established her as kind of like a real soldier uh, in her own right. Like yeah. she's pretty fiery. She was all 100 percent behind the the labor movement mm-hmm. and like the scene of her getting in the car. After the yes. rate of car bombings and her like, you know, we've seen The Godfather. We've seen this film where people are getting blown up all the time and her mm-hmm. like kind of like that was a really fucking tense scene. And the way they use the music because you've got yeah. this, this upbeat song sort of playing in the background. And then as soon as she goes to maybe turn the key, yeah. the music completely cuts. Yeah. And then she sits there for a good minute. Yeah. Just thinking, should I turn this key? You know, it's interesting because there's so many foreshadowings effectively in this movie. And I've only seen it once and I keep on thinking of more. But like you hit the nail on the head about how unconvincing he was with every once in a while. His life puts him in situations where he has to try to explain to somebody as a as a man of principle why the meat truck is empty. Yeah, oh, it's ridiculous. And he can't do it. And him dealing with his daughter and him dealing yeah. with uh, Hoffa's wife are instances where he pulls up with an empty meat truck and he's got nothing to say. (laughs) He's got nothing to say. The proverbial meat truck. Yeah. The proverbial empty meat truck. Yeah. He's got the seal Uh unbroken. Like, just like he's got the, hey, I was driving, doing cross country ride with my friend and his wife. I was staying in. How could I be possibly? Yeah. What does he tell him when he gets on a plane to Detroit and comes back a few hours later? Right. Right. We don't see that because there's nothing to tell. Right. 
uh and that's the scenes i just think are are amazing um i felt like the last 20 minutes or so to film i'm not mad at it but it felt a little bit return of the kingy where it's just it uh is that the them in prison part and just... yeah and in prison and then him in old as an old man kind of like doddering around the you know talking oh, with, with his nurse and, and yeah. with the priest and what I, this what? is i think this is martin scorsese scorsese however you say it uh feeling old hmm. i mean i and i don't begrudge him that like i think when i'm as old as these guys are i'm gonna look back at my life and i'm gonna you know in some ways romanticize it in some ways uh mourn what could have been those hmm. sorts of things i think this is just what old men do well especially this guy who Making a point of how family is important to these people. Yeah. And yet we leave him on Christmas Eve in the twilight of his life and no one is there. Yep. No one is there for him. None of his, yeah. he's got his, his, I don't know whether his wife has disowned him or he's dead now. None of his daughters, uh, none of his kids, Everyone none of his, his old mafia buddies. Yeah. Like, and the other thing that I thought was incredibly effective is when you get introduced to a character, 50% of the time you see this giant text over their head, which is who they are and when they're going to die, yeah. and how they're going to die. And there's like one guy who was like, respected and liked by all, died of old age and asleep. Uh-huh. But everybody else is like throat slit, burned alive, right. shot exploded, in the back of the head, shot yeah. twice in the back of the head. Like, like there's like 30 of those different scenes. And part of it, it's not like he, Frank just had the bad fortune of li- outliving everybody and everyone that was tied to him in like blood or for like genuine love or affection, he mm-hmm. drove away. So yeah. that he's just now going to and but I don't does it does it the, the thing that I thought was interesting is does it actually bother him? How would I know? This is a man who's so fucking hard. He shows him emo- real emotionally two times in his entire life, as far as I can tell. Yeah, I think in retrospect, it bothers him. Hmm. Um, certainly that phone call he had to make uh, where he says, you know, how, did, how does a man make a phone call like that uh, and then still call himself good? Like. I think he regrets a lot of this and, and it is a life of extreme sadness, you know, in, in the moments, in the moment you sort of have like this extreme camaraderie and this, uh, respect and loyalty and honesty between everyone. But that is a veneer over what is a very sad life. Because if you look at his home life, he, he's driving his family away. He can't yeah. tell them anything. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really have a family. He has people that he lives with who do their own thing, uh, while he, tries to protect them right quote unquote i wonder if you mentioned about this being martin scorsese old i remember reading something a couple years ago in an interview where martin scorsese no shit believes he's going to hell um okay like for a couple i think i think the the one he hangs his hat on might be he paid for an abortion or something like that but he he Hmm. thinks that he there's no salvation for him he's done too many bad things made too many mistakes committed to he's a committed roman catholic he's committed too many mortal sins he's going to hell Hmm. I wonder if that explains why how it's like everything's just so fucking bleak at the end with all of his, you know, like like these these characters are just internal wastelands. Um, I wonder if that's like a truth that he feels. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I know. I feel that I mean, at I'm, the end of this. I, this feels very like, you know, uh-huh. this man on Christmas Eve with no family. This is this is not the Scrooge redeeming himself. This is a guy going to the bad place. And the way he talks to his priest about... Mm some some path to redemption that this might be something on that spectrum but it's not mm-hmm. redemption mm-hmm. it's not it's not salvation and the priest wasn't really going a long way to like sell it to him either yeah i think he knows what he's dealing with he, yeah he does yeah it's a like i said i know some people were kind of hating on this film or like well yeah martin scorsese did a three-hour gangster movie ho-hum but <laughs> i think those people maybe haven't seen it do you do you think this is the <laughs> well, last well i'll say i am i am not uh uniquely primed to enjoy this movie mm-hmm. but i am certainly primed to enjoy it because mm-hmm. like i mentioned my father is essentially one of these guys mm-hmm. I, he tells a lot of stories about his childhood that i think are tangentially related to the mafia um he he acts and he talks and he looks just like these guys yeah so when I see a three and a half hour epic, this is essentially about what could have been of my dad's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, how could I not love it? And I, I don't have any of that experience. I mean, I, I love your dad. I think he's a cool dude. <laughs> uh, 
but I just love a good gangster film. And yeah. we were talking like before we started recording this, you had a, a thought about like how many more of these are left. Because Could this be the last, the last great Italian gangster movie like of my lifetime? Film. Yeah. Because I just don't think the younger generations uh, have this affinity That's for like the, these stories. It's like a stories. Western, you know, like you're just not a lot of those. Maybe it'll come back around, but... Yeah, these guys are all old, yeah. and it's a reason. Like people make mobs, people make gangster movies today. It's about you know, uh, it, it's yeah, it's Asian gangs, it's Russian gangs, it's, mm-hmm. it's cyber cyber, cyber gangs, gangs, it's yeah. Fast and Furious shit. It's it's not <laughs> like mafioso stuff. This this grand operatic kind of stuff. Um, Nitrous gang. Can we can yeah. we coin like a the the nitrous mob nitro don <laughs> yeah nitro don that'd be perfect <laughs> nitro dom uh dom the don uh you might be right this this might be kind of like a high you know, um this this might be like the last of this kind of old guard um yeah because because who else is going to you know come come out you're gonna get francis to come out of retirement and right one up i might know if anything would motivate you like you know uh uh them pulling this off at this this late might but so that that makes me think of two things a where do you rank this movie as far as i know you've only seen it once and you've seen so many of these others many times Man, is, is this a Godfather level? Is this no, a Casino it's, level? It's, it's approaching that, and I'm, I'm I, I instinctively want to like. I need to see Casino again. I think I even like it better than Goodfellas, mm-hmm. but I think it's it's right there. Like it's like like a maybe a notch above Casino, because um, I think the characters are a little bit more relatable. And I really appreciate the scope of the thing. Yeah, like, and the, like this, the, 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 this the history. Cradle to grave yeah. of a yeah. like the, the intricate workings of the mafia and how you rise through the ranks and yeah. how you know you're tasked with oh, you do one hit, you prove yourself there, you become uh, the hitman, the enforcer for the rest of them. It, it's all fascinating to me. And some of this stuff, it's like it gets almost Tarantino esque when they're like have this long scene of these guys driving to like a hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they kind of like how sensitive they are about the subject of death, even though they, they traffic in it. Right. They're very. Yeah. They talk around it. It's never mm-hmm. like, hey, you need to do this. Hey, it's all about like, hey, someone needs to tell him that you know, he's at the end of the line. It is what it is, you know. Um, yeah. And then also uh, in that uh, Irishman in conversation video that we've been mm-hmm. talking about, uh, Scorsese says he didn't really set out to make this movie. A spe- for a specific thing he didn't want to make it necessarily for theaters or necessarily for like the feature length that you think of like he just made what he felt he needed to make mm-hmm. in the moment and i think that really paid off yeah for for being a three and a half hour movie it doesn't feel like there's a lot of fat no. on it at all no um i don't think that everyone agrees with that statement i know that uh cecily uh was of the opinion that this was a boring film with a lot of bullshit in it. Okay. But she was also kind of sort of background watching it the entire uh, time. And te- never, yeah, tweeting and but, texting. But then, then again, like I, yep. but, but I'm a sucker for this. Like I can, and I know that like uh, there's people on the forum that I like a lot, like D, you know, cannot see what's brilliant about yeah, the Godfather. That's fine. It's each their own. Yeah. Everybody's got their, but if, if you, if you do like these, these types of films, if you're a sucker for the Godfather, if you're a sucker for Goodfellas, then we actually answered a question. Cause like to me, I, I need to see Casino again. I'm, I'm yep. very comfortable putting this above Goodfellas. Um, casino, man, casino's got some some real fast heat, fastball heat, uh, with guys in their prime. Yeah, I wish, but and it's kind of like this is the this is why heat's so amazing, right? You got De Niro and you got Pacino, right? But they only share the screen like for like that like one five or ten minutes and it crackles but it's just like we're here it's like they're just they're just living in this thing for three and a half hours i i I, but i don't think anything can ever approach the grandeur of the godfather Godfather. and it's 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 and i'll put the whole trilogy up on there like maybe this is godfather three you could put some things above it but like if you take that as a as an entire unit especially godfather one godfather two i don't think anyone's going to be able to approach that man those are untouchable like you just the the the, how about the untouchables (laughs) that's a lot of fun it is untouchables is a shit ton of fun but it's 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 not up on any of these levels yeah yeah Um, i'm with you this is not godfather but man it's good it's really good and if if you like this type of movie you probably already seen it i've been i've been wanting to see this ever since since it came out i was way too busy when it was like you know right out and relevant Mm -hmm. and um 
I've, I've kind of I've realized I've kind of had this sitting on the shelf like a fine bottle of wine. Hmm. So, you know, being able to open it now, uh, it's, it's nice. Another thing that really resonated with me was the choice of music. Um, they use this song in the still of the night mm-hmm. several times, uh, which is a song that I have heard many, many times around uh, the house when I was a child of because course, my yeah. dad owned the 45 of it and he would play that on his fucking record player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hilarious to me because if you listen to the insta- in the still of the night, the dude singing it, whose name I don't know, sorry, uh, is, a, is a really good singer. The backup singers, take them or leave them. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not great. And this is the case with these doo-wop bands from back in the day it typically like these were groups of friends and then my dad has told the stories because he was in these types of bands when mm-hmm. he was a kid uh has told these stories about how you'd get a, a group of guys who were just friends at school or whatever it's like the the equivalent of the garage band today right absolutely yeah, yeah. you get a, a get a group of dudes together in your garage and you just be singing on the street mm-hmm. you know um not for money or anything just because that's what you did like yeah. you didn't have a lot of money back then uh if you were growing up in these areas mm-hmm. and unless you were in the mob. Um, and, and it would typically be like one of your guys was good enough to make it as a singer. Right. And they'd bring along essentially their entourage, right? Uh-huh. And they'd employ them as backup singers yeah. and shit like that. So you'd always have like the star of the show and then groups would split up because the star would be stolen away or they'd mm. think like, oh, I'm too good for the rest of these guys right. and they'd go on to something better. They're pretty much the music industry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my uncle actually recorded a couple of tracks on that we had 45s of. Interesting. And then my dad was part of that group for a little while and interesting history, yeah, through through my father living in, in those areas. What was the band name? That time. Do, you, do you know the... I don't remember. I don't remember. Big Al and the Tommy Guns. Big Al and the Tommy Guns, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sure was. Uh, (laughs) One other thing, I couldn't tell if this was an intentional reference or I'm just reading too much into it, but when Chuck's, Jesse Plemons' Chuck has the fish in the backseat, Mm -hmm. I couldn't help but think of the Godfather sleeping with the fishes thing. And this is Jimmy Hoffa's kind of like soft-headed son, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Is that... Was he delivering like a message to somebody? Is this like there was a hit and he was telling people about what? I think I think you find out later that he was just actually delivering a fish and that Jesse Plemons is just dumb. And the, the Chucky is just dumb. And also like, oh, man, kind of because the thing is, is um, Frank also thinks he might be in danger here. Because mm-hmm. remember, he's like, oh, well, yeah, I'll sit in the back. Right, no, you right. sit. And then he sits back there and like there's a dead and. But yeah, I think that he's just he, he his story's flimsy because he doesn't think much about it. His uncle tells him to go pick up a fish for him. He goes, "Hey, you got a fish for my uncle? Oh yeah, I got your uncle's fish. Here's a fish." He's an <laughs> idiot. He doesn't. He he's, he's probably got some more money. He knows what to do with. He doesn't. Yeah. He just throws a fish, a frozen fish, back in the back seat, making a giant fish stinking mess. Uh. But. Yeah, I mean, the movie does work on you seeing all the other gangster movies, and Frank's on high alert, so, like, yeah. it's one of those, it's kind of like a, a equivalent of, a, I, I guess, a jump scare, and it just turns out it's a cat. I think it's the mafia yep. equivalent of, like, you know, well, th- th- there's danger in the air because the mafia's a dangerous business, but in this case, there's nothing to it. I mean, because... I can see why he would be worried. Like, yeah. he's, he's hired to do this job. He's Jimmy Hoffa's friend. Uh, he he didn't convince him. You know, he failed Plus, to convince Hoffa him. Plus, plays nothing. nine games. Like, that assassination attempt in court, that was just theater, right? I don't know. That guy going in there and know. just, like, having an empty revolver? No, it wasn't. It was a, it was a pellet gun. So this really happened. Uh, yeah, uh, oh, somebody thought, busted into a courtroom. They, they were sent to I thought to he a, shot him with blanks or something. No, they were sent to a mental hospital afterward because, like, they literally, like, thought God had told them... Really? To go he shoot went Jimmy in with a pellet gun. He went in with a pellet gun and, tr- and shot him a couple times. Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, because I, <laughs> the, I didn't do that research in that part of it, and I thought that this is something Jimmy did just to put him like to, to gain sympathy, make his son look like he's a hero. No. Get a real moment in court. Huh. Yeah. Who who's more typecast? Is it Joe Pesci or mm. is it Jesse Plemons? Jesse Plemons. Because you said he's playing this idiot, Chuck. He kind of always plays the idiot. He just Name, has that. The face. only time I can think he's played a smart person is in the post. 
where he, he he plays that lawyer that protects the post from the the lawsuit from the Nixon government. I don't remember that movie. He well plays enough. like this fresh out of kid, this college kind of like civil rights lawyer who's okay. who's who's paid by the post to try to keep him out of trouble. That was so his only time. Bid not to only play time the I've seen him play a person that's not like like soft in the head or something wrong with him. Yeah, um, I don't know. He's got a lifetime ahead of him to really lean into that typecasting mm-hmm. um, to to calcify into a Pesci or yeah. a. Or shit, like even the what 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 Al Pacino has become. I'm glad he got this one last great role. He's still yeah. fucking Al Pacino. Oh yeah, out of you know he's still like he doesn't do any uras, but it's it's never never quite far. They they cut all those out. Yeah, and if you watch that in conversation thing, you can definitely see the Pacino in the in every role he's ever played. Yeah, like he's just kind of playing different versions of himself. Yeah. I didn't feel that way about. I still don't feel that way about Mark, Michael Corleone. Like he gets there in the third one. Yeah. Okay, that that might be the exception. But like he, like that's I, that's why I think The Godfather is so fucking amazing. Like Michael, Michael Corleone's character arc in that movie is he goes from all American college boy war hero that hates his family, yeah, and hates the way they live their life to the fucking coldest don that's ever lived. And three, that's a trip. Yeah. I don't understand. I, I can't. I can't. I don't believe the the people don't like that movie, but they walk among us mm-hmm. um and they're, they're otherwise nice people anything else you want to talk about i i wish they had done more work visual with the visual effects on the hands because the hands are the giveaway a lot of liver spots a lot of liver spots on these 50 year old veiny, a lot of veiny knobby hands on, yeah on yeah. this 40 30 i don't know how old he's supposed to be when he's mm-hmm. driving the truck but those are not the hands <laughs> of a healthy 35 year old man no, i was like Judy, you see these hands it's like Judy's- these are not hands of a of a 75 year old man no no it's like judy dench and cats like she's like a fucking cat and then all of a sudden <laughs> what are these hands you forgot you forgot to animate the hands man yeah come on ilm you don't have hand budget no nope. um we have uh, so this has been a lot of fun next week we've got something that's that's interesting and topical we're gonna see the 2011 film contagion yeah, uh, I just saw this last weekend because fuck it, I was quarantined in my home anyway. Why not? It's um, excellent, right? It's really good, yeah. and there's a lot of really eerie, freaky similarities to what's going on with coronavirus. But there's also a lot of important differences. Yeah, um, and I think it's going to be fun just to discover as a movie because it's very visually interesting. Um, it's very compelling. It's uh, got a lot to say about the moment, but there's also you know, people that want to like see that as the blueprint for for Corona need to calm a little bit down, and, and yeah. maybe we can talk about that. But that's what we're going to be watching uh, uh, next week and talking about on the next week's bald movie. If you want to, um, you know, prep with us, then then rent it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's available in many many outlets right now. Contagion 2011 next week. Thanks for watching uh, and and listening to the Irishman with us. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim. See ya.